Oregon dominates Liberty, and they end the season 12-2. and Full reaction. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So Oregon ends the 2023 college football season in style. They ring in the new year with an a resounding 45-6 to win over Liberty didn't start the way Oregon fans perhaps would have liked. Liberty takes a kickoff, goes down the field, scores a touchdown, and you're going, well, huh, I wonder if that motivation factor is coming into play. And truth be told, it probably did. That is where the negatives ended for the Ducks in this football game. They didn't allow another point. They moved the ball at will. Bo Nix was amazing. We're going to get to a lot of Bo Nix on this particular show because he was a big part of the story. But Oregon just kind of did whatever it wanted to the entire game. Ran for 183 yards. Bucky Irving, in his final game as a duck, he went out in style. Jordan James was excellent. Bo Nix had 363 yards and five touchdowns. And Austin Novosad got some run at the end of the game. We'll definitely get to that as well. But I think this game, you know, most of all shows that Oregon was indeed as good as we thought they were throughout the course of the season and that the margins in college football or sports in general are just very, very slim. I mean, that's what a great team looks like. You know, who's a great team, Georgia, you know what they did to an inferior opponent. They went out and they drubbed them 63 to three. And I think that Oregon coming out and winning 12 games for just the sixth time ever, it has only happened six times in the history of Oregon football. The first time was 2010. So that's kind of a testament to the ascension of the program over the last two decades or so. But I think that Dan Lanning's got this team and and the program in a really, really good spot. That Bo Nix was awesome. This was a fun game to watch. You know, it was definitely low stress, right? Because uh, this now ends Oregon season, whether it was a win or a loss, it was a dominant win. But it was a low stress game to watch. But Oregon also made it a low stress game because they were good enough to do just that. So so Bo Nix was a big part of the story. Why? Because he he had a number of records. If you missed the game, here are the records that after the Fiesta Bowl, Bo Nix now holds. He is the Oregon single season leader in uh, completion percentage. He's the Oregon single season leader in passing touchdowns, passing Marcus Mariota. He's the Oregon single season leader in passing yards, passing Marcus Mariota. And Thanks to a few completions after an incompletion to Terrence Ferguson, he is the NCAA football single season all-time completion percentage holder at about 77.4 or 0.39%. He was kind of on the bubble. They were watching this all throughout the game with Mac Jones and everything. But, I mean, Bo Nix came out and it was just, it looked easy for him. You know, the way it has in a lot of the games that he's played at, at Oregon and I, I thought that he looked like the same guy. And the fact that he wanted to come out and play, I respect the heck out of him. And I'm I'm really glad. 
I think there are some people out there who might say, why did Bo Nix play in the game? It didn't mean anything. Can't win a national championship. I'm an Oregon fan, and I'm here to tell you, I'm really glad Bo Nix played in that game because that was a great send-off. His name is permanently etched into the record books in a number of different ways and deservedly so. And I mean, the career he had. Think, think back. Think back to around the time I started hosting this show, December 2021. The first story that I covered in a big way here on the show was Dan Lanning getting hired. It was the coaching search and who Oregon would hire, and it was Dan Lanning. And, and the second major story was, hey, we're bringing in Bo Nix to be Oregon's quarterback, and he goes down as one of the greatest to ever play the position for the Ducks, just as we all predicted, right? Just as we all felt. I'm sure when Bo Nix announced he was transferring to Oregon, there wasn't a single solitary tweet from any Oregon fan anywhere disapproving of such a move. For those listening on podcasts, I just gave the most sarcastic wink I possibly could because I think the way that his career changed. I mean, he, you know, has talked about how his his football career has changed. I think his life has changed as well now that, you know, he's projected as one of the six highest ranked or rated uh, quarterback prospects, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. And RG3 was giving him love on on the broadcast today. I thought RG3 did a great job, by the way, with Bob Wachusen. And I'm, uh, I've always been a Bob Wachusen fan. And I, I think that for, for the Ducks to have gotten Bo Nix and to have – helped him become the best version of himself, whereas Auburn was incapable of doing that at the time, I think that's a testament to where Oregon is at. And what Dan Lanning is doing in Eugene is going to continue doing in Eugene. And just everything that that went into that, you talk about the receivers, the offensive line, the recruiting, the defense playing better, just everything was there. And Bo Nix just made it all sing in perfect harmony. And it was a joy to watch. And I am saddened that we don't get to watch him anymore because he has been so unbelievably good. But he was fantastic in the game. He threw five touchdowns to five different receivers, which is awesome. Tez Johnson, boy, I hope that guy comes back next year. He had one. Treshawn Holden had one. He was great. Gary Bryant had one. Terrence Ferguson had one. And Kenyon Sadiq had uh, the little pop pass there. I think I'll talk more on tomorrow's show about, you know, kind of the the individual standouts and tidbits and whatnot, or like tiny nuggets uh, that that we saw in the game. But I felt that that for Oregon, this was exactly the sort of performance you could have wanted. You avoided major injuries. Bonex got the records. You win in dominant fashion, and you secure win number twelve, and you know a victory in a New Year's Six bowl for. I have to think back. I, I forgot to have the tally before. I came on to record this uh, this reaction show, but Oregon's won a lot of these games. It's the first time they've won a game uh, of this magnitude since uh, the 2019 season when they won the Rose Bowl, and that was Justin Herbert's final game, and there was an emotional send-off there, and this was Bo Nix's final game, and there was an emotional send-off there. And you know, ha- Having had six 12-win seasons since 2010 is a pretty great accomplishment for, for the Ducks and a testament to what you know, Oregon football has really become and, and also what it is going to continue capable of being. And I don't think we have seen the best season in Oregon football history yet. I can't wait until we do, but man, there have been a lot of great ones. And th- this was a great season and Bo Nix was just at the center of it. I mean, a Heisman finalist, only the third time Oregon's had that uh, since 2010. And uh, for him to have 
been in, been in the position he was going into this game to set the completions percentage record and then to go out there and do it and the ease with which he seemed to do it. I, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, Oregon's offense didn't actually start that strong in this game. I mean, they were down 6-3 at the end of the first quarter. And then in the second, they rattled, rat, rattled off uh, 28 straight points uh, and scored the next 45 overall, 45 to nothing run. You don't you don't see that very often. And look, I, I think this game, uh, just to kind of put a bow on it before I get back to Bo next here for a moment. I think if it had been SMU, the champion out of the American Conference, it would have been more competitive. But I don't think any group of five team was coming close to Oregon here. Not not when you've got number ten standing back there behind center. I mean Troy Franklin or no Troy Franklin, Bo Nix just makes plays, made a bunch of really really good throws. I thought that touchdown at the end of the half to Trayshawn Holden was awesome. I mean, the way he had it a little low to keep it away from the safety, it was well-timed and it was an awesome route by Trayshawn Holden too. I I thought it was all fantastic. And I I, I really enjoyed watching the game. And just like last year, it's not the exact game that Oregon fans wanted to be playing in right now, but I'd rather end with a win than end with a loss and carry that momentum into the off season, carry a 12 win season into the big 10 People take notice of that sort of stuff. And yeah, I would have rather played Ohio State. I think that would have been more exciting. But guess what? You can't change who you play, but Oregon can affect how they come out and play. And I thought they did. You know, after a poor drive defensively on the opening sequence, I thought they did an outstanding job the rest of the game. And they were plenty motivated. I I thought they would be. And they won by even more points uh, than than I thought they would. But Bo Nix deserves even more discussion and love because gosh i think we all love that guy and we should i think you'll love fanduel if you go check it out if you haven't already you should here's why the nfl season the regular season in the nfl is wrapping up but there's still time to get in on the action with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet not win a five dollar bet just place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. I don't know how much easier it gets than that. And the app is super easy to use as well. They got a great interface and there are a bunch of different options to bet. You can do the traditional point spreads. They've got player props. They've got live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can find popular parlays in the Parlay Hub and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. And make your first bet a layup. $5, win or lose, 115 bonus bets. Doesn't get any easier than that. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so I talked earlier about Bo Nix and you know, the trajectory of his career. And I think the way he won over a lot of Oregon fans. I think he did that again. And shout out to the coaching staff, by the way, on two fronts. Number one, for properly orchestrating a send-off individually and a curtain call for both Bo Nix and Bucky Irving, guys who over the last two years have been at the centerpiece of all the excitement, all the fun, all the joy that we have gotten from Oregon football over the last two seasons. Those guys have just been rock stars. And for Bo Nix to – and the broadcast did a great job as well with the way they – you know, showed Bo Nix's parents uh, that I was definitely an emotional sight to see because his college career 
is officially over, but he's going to go into the NFL. And um, I just hope he doesn't get the next Brandon Staley as his head coach. This <laughs> is all I can say there. But I, I think that for, for Bo Nix to have gotten that moment was really great. Bucky deserved one too, and he got it. And I just love the way the coaching staff was aware of that and was able to set that up. And then the second thing I appreciated was the way they put Austin Novosad into the game and didn't just have him hand the ball off, but gave him some actual game reps. And uh, I'll talk about him here in just a minute. So going back to Bo Nix, though, here's a guy who went to Auburn and was a legacy recruit, all the expectations in the world, and the Auburn fan base was completely divided on him. And I remember hearing this story uh, a couple weeks ago about how when he came to Oregon and the Georgia game happened, his parents, I think his mom specifically, if I remember correctly, was, uh, you know, they were worried about how Oregon fans were going to react because Auburn fans, there was plenty of vitriol and negativity because of how he played and the results on the field weren't, you know, matching their expectations and everything like that. And they were worried like, oh, no, is is the fan base going to turn on him? And not only did Oregon fans not turn on him, they embraced him. And the story that got told by Yogi Roth talked about how, you know, after the game, fans saw Bo Nix and, you know, were, were positive, encouraging, uplifting. And he went on to have two of the best seasons back to back we've ever seen at the quarterback position for the Ducks. And I think the amount of resilience that that guy shows and the amount of intestinal fortitude and toughness and maturity that he put on full display, not just with his play on the field, but the way that his play was a reflection of how he handled everything he was dealing with off the field, trying to find a new home, trying to shed the criticisms, the Bo Picks moniker. I'm sure he's heard that before. And this was a guy who became a completely different football player. And that's a testament to the support system he had around him. That's his wife, his parents, the fan base, the community, his coaches, players, teammates, everybody. And I think that that transformation has been just such a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch and enjoy. And it was fantastic to wake up on this Monday morning in the first day of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody, with an Oregon win and Bo Nix getting the final game that he deserves. I mean, he played close to perfectly and got all the records. He's got all the accolades now. And I'm sure I'll get this question in the mailbag at some point. I don't think I'm ready to dive into it just yet. But if you think about asking this question one day, I will at some point, once I've had the time to process it, ponder where Bo Nix falls in the pantheon of great Oregon quarterbacks. I mean, statistically, he just had the best season ever. Does that always make everybody the best? It's open It's open for debate. One we can have all offseason. Because remember, until the spring game, There isn't a single Oregon football game to talk about, and there isn't a game that actually means anything until the very end of August. So we got a lot of time, and we can talk about all that sort of stuff because this show, as every day as you're aware, remains five days a week all throughout the year, and I that that's that's a topic that'll definitely come up. But you know, just from an emotional standpoint, yeah, Bo Nix is up there for me with the Mariotas and and the Herberts and the Michaels of the world, just. The way he came in and embraced Oregon and embraced the community and the team and, uh, you know, the opportunity that he was afforded with the Ducks and the way that he capitalized on it and became something I don't think anybody foresaw. If you had told any Oregon fan, myself included, probably you listening to or watching this show as well, that Bo Nix would set 
a bevy of Oregon records. The day he announced his transfer, what would your reaction have been? Would have caught you off balance, right? If I had a time machine right now, I would go back and tell some Oregon fans, hey, this is going to go really, really well, and just see what they say. Because I think a lot of Oregon fans, understandably, were skeptical. He did not have a great track record at Auburn. He could not be leaving with a better one as he departs the Ducks. And in two seasons, he goes 22-5. and five. He completes, on average, over the last two years, uh, in the mid-70s. You know, he was 77.39% this year. Last year was 71.9%. Average those two together, and you're going to get something around 74% uh, of his passes. I mean, that, that's just ridiculously efficient. He, he's another guy who has set the bar so high for what we as Oregon fans deem to be good or acceptable quarterback play. And, you know, Herbert did that and Mariota did that. And for one season, Vernon Adams did that. Masoli, Darren Thomas, there have been Dennis Dixon, Joey Harrington. Like there have just been so many great ones that when you have an Anthony Brown, Tyler Shuck situation, Oregon fans feel, you know, as passionately as they do sometimes because we've become accustomed to seeing this great quarterback play and Bo Nix, is the latest great Oregon quarterback. And I hope Dylan Gabriel will be able to have an outstanding season next year for the Ducks. But yeah, I I just, that guy has got all of our hearts and our appreciation. And he absolutely should because he poured everything into Oregon. I think we collectively as fans poured everything into him and it yielded some pretty fantastic results. And I, I will, forever be a big Bo Nix fan, as I know you all will as well. He didn't play the entire game. Eventually, he gave way to Austin Novosad. And so Novosad came in. And uh, first of all, compared to when we saw him in the spring game, that's a guy who has clearly been on a diet and fitness plan to, you know, bulk himself up a little bit. Because coming out of high school, one of the notes on his scouting report was, he's a little skinny. And you said, okay. And then you see him take the field in the spring game. You go, okay, yeah, he's he's, he's a little skinny. Novosad finishes the game, five of seven, 38 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Got the Ducks down uh, inside the red zone on his second drive after the fumble that was forced uh, by Roderick Pleasant. And uh, Zach Grisham, I believe, was the defensive back who recovered it. He's been a special teams guy this year for the Ducks. But I thought that Novosad, you know, kind of settled in. Uh, at one point in time on, you know, as the, as the game kind of went on, like first drive, you know, they, they ran the ball, then they got him an easy completion to Kyler Casper. Jerry on Dickey had, uh, I believe the first catch of his career. And, you know, he'd played in a few games, but hadn't recorded a catch yet, but he recorded one. So both those guys who I talked about on yesterday's show, both ended up, you know, at least getting into the game, but uh, neither one was on the field until uh, the game. The game had readily been decided. But I think that for for Novasad, you know, we we saw kind of a shift on that second drive, and I thought it was a really positive one. That positive shift was, I think, just kind of a comfort level. You know, he threw two incompletions. Uh, one of them on third and fourteen was not particularly. Great was definitely not a, a confidence-inspiring throw as you look at his prospects going forward because, you know, they called that sprint out play that Oregon's run all year. They have a couple of different concepts uh, on the route tree that, that they will use. But Kenyon Sadiq was standing at the sticks wide open. Nova sat on the move. 
missed the throw and you went, mm, that was, that was not great. But then he completed a couple passes. I thought the flat throw to Jaden Lamar was kind of nice because he, you know, showed really good touch and he led him perfectly. That was the first down they picked up before uh, he was able to call the victory formation and just kneel out the clock. But the fourth down throw is the one that kind of caught my attention, made me go, oh, well, that was nice. He First of all, he's got a good arm. He, he's got a good arm. I don't think it's a special arm, but that arm is plenty good enough to start in college football. That's why he was a four-star recruit and why Baylor wanted him. But I think that for Novasad, that fourth down throw, that was a good-looking throw. And, and, you know, back when we were discussing the future prospects of Ty Thompson and whether or not he could become a starter – what was the early knock on him? Wasn't executing basic plays. Didn't feel like he had great command and control of the offense. I felt like Novasad was making the right reads on RPOs, had command and control of the offense, and he was making the simple ones. You know, that sprint out throw, that's not a simple throw. On the move, a little bit back across your body, 14 yards down the field. Yeah, you'd like to give your receiver a chance rather than skip it at his feet. But again, true freshman, I think you kind of expect that sort of stuff. So when he made that fourth down throw, I was really impressed because he stood in the pocket, he had time, and he looked right, nothing, right middle, nothing, came back on the over route, and he put the ball with a lot of zip right on target on the money, and it was a first down catch. I mean, I I thought that he was really, really good uh, in in that instance, and I don't think, you know, he showed enough one way or another to – to say decisively, well, he could be a starter for Oregon one day, might not be a starter for Oregon one day. I, I think that all just kind of depends on how everything plays out. But I, I've talked about him before and how I feel that him staying on Oregon's roster in 2024 can make plenty of sense. And, you know, we got to see him in some limited action. And again, I very much appreciate the previous staff did not do this, and it often bugged me. And I know a lot of Oregon fans as well. When a prospective next quarterback, it was Ty Thompson then, Austin Nova said here, but Ty throughout the season as well, came into the game when it was a blowout. That quarterback didn't do anything except throw a, throw a screen pass and hand the ball off. That's not really making the most of that opportunity. You're not giving him a chance to go through live game reps and make those sorts of throws. And this staff has consistently done that. And I just think that's a good thing. If not, at the very least, because it's more fun for us as fans to look at that sort of sequence and get more of an idea of, oh, okay, this is what this guy have has or doesn't have and you know what he brings to the table, what he needs to work on and everything like that. But yeah, that Novasad was solid. And I, I fully expect there to be four quarterbacks on Oregon's roster next year. I think you'll have Dylan Gabriel. There's your starter. Dante Moore, probably the backup, but hey, maybe Novasad beats him out to be the number two guy. I guarantee you that's what Novasad's mindset is going to be. You think he's going to sit there and go, all right, I'll be the number three quarterback again. I'm not even going to try, not even going to push. No, I, I think he's going to bet on himself and say, I want to be the backup. And if he if he can't do that and he doesn't feel like he could be the starter going into 2025, maybe he transfers out. But I was glad he got the opportunity to play, got the opportunity to, to push the ball downfield a little bit and make some actual throws rather than, you know, just a uh, dink and dunk sort of stuff. I loved the screen and the end around to Jade Lamar. Oh my gosh, Jade Lamar. Before I forget, I'll do more individual standouts on, on tomorrow's show. Um, there'll be plenty on the offensive side of the ball, Trayshawn Holden, Gary Bryant among them. But I tell you what, Jade Lamar threw 
not one, but two pancake blocks for Buck Irving on the same play. You talk, it was a third and eight, and Oregon ran, uh, you know, a, a GT counter sweep essentially, where they, you know, pull two guys in the direction where the quarterback could run, but away from where the running back will go. And Nick's hands the ball off, and Lamar's going out there to clear a path, and he levels one guy, and, and, and you're like, oh, wow, that was a great block. And then another guy is kind of coming off of another block, and Lamar says, nope, you're not doing that one either. And he shoves him to the ground. You're like, whoa, there's a guy who wants playing time. And by the way, what do you think Carlos Lachlan thought of that play? Probably thought, oh, boy, that guy guy was playing hard. That guy was playing hard. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll talk more about individual standouts. Let me know in the YouTube comments or on Twitter as well at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions uh, wide open for questions, thoughts, anything you want me to talk about from the Fiesta Bowl. But I'll, I'll leave you with this. As Oregon goes into the Big Ten, hard to not feel like they are one of the Tier 1 teams. And for me, as I look at an 18-team conference, I think you can pretty, pretty easily divide the conference into Tier 1, Tier 2, and tier three programs at this point in time. Pretty obvious to me, Oregon's in that first tier with Ohio State, Michigan, Washington. Sure, I'll put Penn State in there. USC. Penn, Penn State and USC. I, I understand that USC had a, a, a very disappointing season. Uh, another a, a point that bears repeating, by the way, for Oregon fans who might feel disappointed about this year. It's okay to feel disappointed that Oregon didn't win the Pac-12 championship game when they were good enough to do so. They just didn't go out and execute, and Washington outplayed them. USC season, that's a failure. That's a, that's a disappointing failure. I mean, preseason top 10 team to end with five losses before you played your bowl game? I, I mean, just an utter mess. Now, they have made a good hire defensive coordinator, which is why I would lean them into the Tier 1 department, but – I don't know. We'll see what they do at quarterback. So I think the USC and Penn State are kind of teetering there. But going into the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, hard to not think that one of those teams is winning the conference next year. And I think that Oregon carrying a 12-2 and season into it with Dylan Gabriel coming in at quarterback, there are a lot of pieces to replace. There are a lot of players who won't be on Oregon's roster next year that played a critical role this season. But I, I think there's a lot of talent, and I'm curious to see how this all kind of shakes out during during spring football. And we will, of course, be back to covering that uh, as best we can here on the show, as per our usual arrangement. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.